forum for frank talk about what people do for a living. Works do. And welcome to Works Due. It's October 29th, 2014, and this is episode number 88. I'm Kate Gase Walton. I'm the editor of Works Due, an online collection of essays and interviews in which people ponder their work lives. In this episode, I speak with Caitlin Doty, a mortician and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, and other lessons from the crematory. I'm speaking this morning with Caitlin Doty. And actually, let me start right there, Caitlin. Did I just pronounce your name correctly? You did. Nailed it. That was impressive. Most people don't get it right the first time. (laughs) All right. I was uh, really interested in speaking with you because a couple of years ago when I first started Work Stew, I spoke with a funeral director. But what I found in hearing his story was that he was a third generation owner of the business. And what I gathered is that is quite common in the industry. It seems to me like your path uh, is quite different from that, that you got into it quite independently. And I wondered if you could just start by talking through that. Sure, I did. I I have no funeral background at all. My parents weren't funeral directors. My grandparents weren't funeral directors. I didn't have that much interaction with death growing up at all. And in college, I studied medieval history. I studied academic death rituals. And I got into the business that way. I decided I wanted to see what was really going on behind the scenes with people who handle our own death. And I have to say that a lot of people entering the funeral industry now are young women who don't have a legacy in the funeral industry. Interesting. And when you, I I saw that you applied first uh, to work at crematories. And when you did that, was it um, with the intent of making this uh, a long career? Was there any aspect of it that was sort of a bit of a lark? Let me see what this is like. What was your mindset then? I would say that it was both both of those things. Mm -hmm. On one hand, I did, when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, you know, that really does put a lot of my skills together, my interest in death and ritual, and my interest in, I was in the theater, I was working in the theater in San Francisco at the time, so, and death can be kind of like a performance, and how we present death is like a performance sometimes. So I was interested in all of those things, and then on the other hand, it was kind of a lark. I was planning on moving to Los Angeles eventually, and I needed something to do that I thought would be interesting. And it wasn't until I actually got in there to the crematory that it hit me, oh my gosh, this is actually probably what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, yeah. it's, all been, it's all been a straight shot from there. And I want to talk about that. Before we get into that, I want to talk about how, I mean, how did your family and friends uh, react when you said, I'm going to go and be a, a crematory operator? I saw that you graduated from the University of Chicago. I'm thinking that you were probably the only person whose post-graduation career plans uh, included a crematory. Am I right? I am. You were <laughs> So how did that go down? University of Chicago is well known for not producing people with useful life skills. Right. You know, you go on to you go on to academia, you go on to teach, you don't go on to to actually do something practical. Mm. But uh, my friends were very. They saw it. They didn't see it coming. But when I told them, their response was, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, of course. That sounds that sounds perfect for you because they knew my academic interests and they knew the kind of things that I was interested in for years. My parents. Uh, 
you know, they they were not so happy given that I had just had this wildly expensive education mm. that I was choosing to do this. But from the beginning, I had to be like, parents, I promise this is going to pay off. I promise this is a good idea. Right. I think when I made this this past month, when I made the New York Times list, my dad was finally ready to to admit that maybe the whole death thing was okay. So in that first job as a crematory operator, what happened to you? What was the transformation, if if that isn't you know too loaded a term, of what took it from being maybe a little bit of a lark to something that felt very right to you and something that you knew you'd you'd want to do for a long time? That's a good question. I think that when you go in, and even if you have something that you think is academic or you think that you're looking at it from above, when it's death, you can't keep yourself out of it. And I did get involved in the people and their stories and facing my own fear of death. And as I worked there for a longer period of time, I realized that just how much our culture had a difficult relationship with death. And that became clearer and clearer every day. And just how often I was there by myself and nobody was there with me and people weren't coming in to see their family member or to see them be cremated or to see the body. And just what I could do to make people aware that they had those options and they didn't have to just have the body taken away in the middle of the night and get the ashes two weeks later. Mm. And I, I saw that you've gone on from that role through a number of roles, funeral arranger, body van transport driver, which I had to read a few times to try and figure out what that would be, and now a licensed funeral director and mortician. And I wondered, in your daily work, is there something that you do that you feel is offering people something different than what the funeral industry has traditionally offered? Well, what I'm doing now, so I actually left my last job and I'm opening my own funeral home in mm -hmm. Los Angeles with a partner who's also a mortician. Mm -hmm. And the idea, it's called Undertaking LA. And the idea is that we would help families help themselves do the death work. So we would come to the home and, and train them to work with the body themselves and to wash it and to dress it and to be comfortable being around it. And then we transport the body either to a crematory or to a cemetery. So the family would be with the body the whole time. And it's not necessarily for everyone, even though that is what everybody used to do 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so at one time, it was for everyone. It's not for everyone now, but it's for the type of person who really wants to be involved and doesn't want to just let the funeral home take care of everything. And what in your experience has made you realize that there is a a demand and, and maybe even a less commercial term is important, a real need for that. Well, it's just the the response of, of people. I, I do advocacy online and in person and I give talks and even just driving around. I, I have a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with with Lyft, the car ride service. Mm -hmm. I have Lyft drivers that I, because I travel all the time to give talks. And when they ask me questions in the Lyft and I just tell them about what I do and what I'm trying to do, you can just see their faces light up because they had no idea that these were options that were available. They had no idea that taking care of the body themselves was even legal, that they, they could do that themselves. And most people don't realize that anymore because we've become so dependent on the funeral industry. And so how does the order of the good death uh, relate to uh, the, the new business that you're launching? Are they one and the same? Are they separate endeavors? 
They're somewhat. I mean, it's all it's all all one big pot of death acceptance stew. But the Order of the Good Death was the initial group. That's the one that was founded four years ago, and that was just a, a public advocacy advocacy group of funeral professionals, death professionals, um, artists, academics, people who wanted to talk about death in the public sphere. And that's launched a couple things. That's launched Death Salon, which is the big. Um, the big group coming together of those people to publicly present all of this information. Um, it's Undertaking LA, which is this new funeral business. It's Ask a Mortician, which is the web series I do. All of that comes out of the idea of we should be having a more public involved engagement with death. Got it. And one, one last question. One question I often like to end on is to ask somebody what it is about their work that is least understood by those of us who are on the, the outside of it. And as I was digging through materials about you, I came across one video where you mentioned that when you were driving dead bodies, you thought that you would be able to go in the carpool lane and that it turns out that you were not. Um, that was one thing that I found surprising. But what perhaps more deeply uh, would you would you put as an answer to that question? That's a, that's a funny answer. I think if, if there's anything people don't truly understand about what I do is that I'm not allowed to use the carpool lane. Um, <laughs> I think anymore what what people don't understand is that the job that I do, anybody could do. Even though I went to mortuary school and I have a license in, in California to, to be a mortician, that doesn't mean that I'm more qualified to take care of a dead body than your average Joe on the street. It really takes very little training and it's just a comfort level. And more people can do it, more people can be involved if they want to be. And, and you must feel, I'm guessing, that if one were to take those steps to actually work on the body oneself, that that aids in grieving? Is it too simplistic to, to put it that way? Is is that how you think about it at all? Yeah, that is how I think about it. And I've never had anybody tell me who has been involved in taking care of the body. I've never heard regrets from that. I've never heard a single person say, oh gosh, it was gross. I was creepy. I wish I hadn't done that. Without, without exception, they say it was really moving. It brought me closer to the death, and it made me more comfortable with the death. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you have so much inf interesting information online. There's lots for people to check out, and I appreciate your taking the time to tell me a little bit about it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That wraps up the interview for today. Thanks again very much to my guest, Caitlin Doty. Thanks also to everyone who's contributed an essay to Work Stew. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening today. The next episode will be released in two weeks, and I hope you'll check it out. In the meantime, please let me know what you thought of the interview by sending an email to kate at workstew.com, by posting a comment on the Workstew website, or by writing a review for iTunes. Thanks again, and bye for now.